This is the Seven Hills Church Podcast, where you'll hear incredible teaching from our very own Pastor Marcus Meekham. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcast to get brand new episodes waiting for you every week. You can also download our free smartphone app to see even more exclusive content and to get connected with the life of Seven Hills. Let's get right to the message, and thanks again for being with us. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 2. I want to talk to you. Um, from this text, and I uh, hope it will, will bless you. Uh, just a consideration for maybe uh, you quickly on how to work through conflict in your life and, um, and how I think that, that I should work through conflict in my life. And uh, so Joshua chapter 22, let's look at verse um, 10. When they came to Gileoth near the Jordan, the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. When the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan at Gileoth near the Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. So I want you just to get a picture. Uh, they build it. These three tribes, they build an altar to God and Israel sees it and Israel decides to go to war with them over this altar. And then let's drop down to verse 16. The whole assembly of the Lord says, how could you, it's a really good question. We'll go through these three questions in just a minute. How could you break faith with God like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build for yourselves an altar against him? Verse 17, was this or was not the sin of Peor enough for us? So he's comparing um, what they've done with the sin of Peor. If you drop down to verse 20, it compares it to the sin of Achan, uh, who took the devoted things and buried them. And you might remember that Old Testament story. Finally, after several verses of talking uh, about why they're, they're frustrated, angry, upset, really almost to the point of war, they, they say in um, um, verse 21 that they, they decided to listen. When they decided to listen, it says that Reuben, Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh replied to the heads of the clans of Israel, the mighty one, comma, God, comma, the Lord. I love that. The mighty one, God, the Lord. <laughs> Just like a really, really matter-of-fact statement. There's an exclamation mark in my Bible. And then they say it again. The mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows. Everybody say he knows. He does know. And so let's drop down to say verse number 26. It goes into why they built this altar. It says that to be a witness between us is what verse 27 says. And generations to follow. Talks about the burnt offerings in the sanctuary. And then it says, then in the future, our descendants will be able to say to yours, will not be able to say to yours, we don't have a share in the Lord. In other words, this is what they're, verse 28 says, this is why we built the altar. They ever say to us, to our descendants, we'll answer, look at the replica of the Lord's altar. In other words, the same God you worship, Israel is the same God we worship. That's why we built this altar is we want the next generation, we want future generations to always know that it's not you versus us. It's not them, they versus me. This is, this is us, which I think is in a, appropriate reason to build an altar. And so it says that this will be a witness between us. Now let's drop down and I'm almost done. I promise. And we'll talk about it. 
Um, verse 33. So when Israel heard this, they were glad. How many of y'all want to be glad? They were glad when they heard the report and they praised God. That's what we've been doing today. They were glad and they praised God and they talked no more about going to war against them. They said, I don't want to devastate this country. And then in verse 34, the Reubenites, these three tribes gave the altar a name, a witness between us. The Lord is God. So I want to talk to you about that thought, the altar of us. They didn't call it the altar of you. They didn't call it the altar of them. They didn't call it the altar of they. They call it the altar of us, which implies closeness. Altars bring us together. And so these three tribes, they go to build an altar to the Lord. Now, an altar, for those of you who maybe have never walked through uh, biblical things, it's a place that you meet with God. It's a place that represents worship. And specifically in the text that we're reading, altars would have been a very bloody place, but a positive place. And I know that sometimes that's difficult to understand, but when I get to the very end, we'll unlock that. So this is going to be one of those sermons that moves really slow up front, like, but it's a combination, right? And if you'll listen for the clicks at the very end, the safe will open up, right? And we'll get something of great value inside. Can you do that with me? Can you just let me click through? So altars are bloody, but they're positive. I can take you to an altar in my life in Kansas where I gave my life to Christ. I could take you to an altar in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I answered the call of God all my life. I could take you to altars in Michigan, where I began to walk in that call, where I married Sarah, where I dedicated my children. All of those things happened at altars. I could take you to altars here. I could take you when you drove in on that parking lot over there somewhere right out there. There's an altar where we went out when God gave us that piece of property and we uh, anointed a stone and shouted grace, grace over the room that you're sitting in right now. There's an altar. And so the purpose of an altar is it gives you a place that you can return. And you can say, this is where God did this. And this is where God did that. And this is where God showed up in this way, or he showed up in that way. So all of us should have altars and an altar is a beautiful thing. An altar is a godly thing. It's a holy thing. It's a sacred thing. Altars are, are an incredible, wonderful thing in our life. But verse 12 said that the whole assembly of Israel gathered to go to war against them over an altar. Now, these three tribes, again, the same way you and I build altars, the same way that we go to meet with God and we go to honor God with our life and worship God and obey God. That's exactly what these three tribes had done. But Israel, when they saw the altar, they, they were angered, they were upset, they were frustrated. And so they decide that they want to go to war over this altar. And they asked them three questions. And I think this is kind of good. These are three good questions to ask. And uh, I think they're appropriate questions inside of conflict. And question number one is in verse 16. How could you break faith with God like this? 
I I'm not so sure it's our job to question someone's God connection. I'm not so sure it's our job to doubt someone's faith or authenticity in God. But I do think that it's important to ask whether someone's in your life. Are they there? Are they from God? How many of y'all know that if God wants to bless your life, he sends a person. And if the devil wants to destroy your life, he sends a person. Come on. So not everyone in our life is from God. So if I believe a relationship isn't from God, I shouldn't be holding hands with that person. I shouldn't necessarily be going to fist with that person, but it's appropriate to let go of the closeness in that relationship because not everyone will understand the altar of us. So I put a question mark over that relationship. Maybe they put a question mark over me and begin to work through, does God want this person in my life? That's the first question. How could you break faith with God? How can you break faith with God? I need to know if me and you and God are up to the same thing. Number two, how could you build for yourself an altar against God? Again, a very positive, appropriate question. This is a question of motives. This is a question where they said, you're building this for yourself. You don't care about me. You only care about yourself. This implies self-centeredness. This implies that, that in this text that they would be against God. And that's a great question. Questioning somebody's motives is an important thing to say, is their motive just all about them or is it about me too? Not is what they're doing something I like, but could it be possible any parents in the room? Come on, you don't give your kids chocolate at midnight, right? Come on, I'm doing this, but it hurts me. Come on, y'all, this generation don't know anything about this stuff. It hurts me more than it hurts you. You're like, no, it doesn't. I'm the one with the belt across. That's just how I was raised. Yeah, she don't know anything about that. I just looked at them wrong and they cried. <laughs> so I think that's a great question. Is this person, is what they're doing, is it, is it, is it against God? And, and then it leads to the third question. So how could you, how could you, how could you do this? And then third question was not the sin of Peor enough for us? Now, thankfully, they bring up these two individuals, Achan and Peor, and we have their stories in the Bible. So this is just going to be a, just another little click real quick. The sin of Peor you'd find in Numbers chapter 25. It's a story of how Israelite, the Israelites turned away from God. They begin to sin with, with uh, another tribe. I mean, this really, if you read Numbers 25, it's a pornographic chapter. I mean, this is crazy time. I mean, this is very, very graphic. And it's happening right inside of the church. The people are in there worshiping, they're weeping before God. And, um, some of the key people in Israel are literally walking right outside the church and doing what they're doing. And when that happens, a man by the name of Phineas comes out and he takes a spear and he puts it through their bodies. So this is a crazy, crazy picture of, of high levels of immorality. This is, this is crazy levels of, of hardness and brashness towards God. I mean, this is, this is, this is the kind of stuff that, that, and it's happening right outside of church. Now the same man 
that took the spear and put it through those two people is the same man that's talking to these people right here. So in many ways, he's saying, I'm going to do the same thing to you that, that I did to them. So he's really, he's really starting to intimidate. He's starting to threaten here. Um, he brings up the sin of Achan. Of course, he stole the devoted thing. Now, uh, the first two questions, appropriate questions. How could you, how could you? appropriate questions to start to understand relationships and understand the level of closeness in a relationship. How close should you be or not be? And then the reason that they're about to kill them, wage war on them is explained by the sin of Peor and the unfaithfulness of Achan. There's only one problem with bringing up those two sins. These three tribes have not been in immoral relationships inside the church. They're not doing the nasty outside the doors of the church. Is that okay? I don't know why you got to say it somehow. Get it, get in your head. That's, that's not happening in this story. It's not happening. Are you with me? It's the sin of pure is not going on. It's not going on. It's there's nowhere it's going on. They've not stolen anything from God. So it's a question. Number one, appropriate question. Number two, appropriate. Question number three, inaccurate, right? So you have to begin to ask yourself, is what I'm saying true? How do I know that it's true, right? That's an important thing to do. So there's three thoughts I wrote down that I'll give you real quick on how to work through conflict. Number one, are you calling an altar of worship a bed of adultery? Now, we would know the devil's, one of the devil's names is the accuser of the brethren, what that simply means is it's a weapon the devil uses, his accusation. He loves to use the weapon of accusation against people. It's, it's not about accuracy. It's not about authenticity. It's not about being precise. It's really just an exaggeration uh, on an emotional level, and then they put words to it. So it's not based in reality. It's based in emotion. And the devil doesn't need real sin to create conflict. He can turn an altar into adultery. The Bible says he calls evil good and good evil. So he can, he can create whatever he wants to out of, of situations. And so in this story, that's what happens. They call the altar of worship, the sin of Peor or the unfaithfulness of Achan. And so there's so much emotion involved in this moment. There's been no listening up to this moment and the accusations have reached such a high level. There's nowhere even close to the truth in what's being said. So avoid labeling an altar adultery. It's how the devil starts wars It's through accusations. It's important that you're accurate in your appraisal, in your judgments, of situations. And how do you do that? It teaches us in the next verse. They finally stopped talking and started listening. And the second they started listening in verse 22, it says exactly what the people said. The mighty one, comma, God, comma, the Lord. So listen to the tone and it's exclamation mark. All these things have been said and they say, the mighty one, God, the Lord, 
Then they say it again. The mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows. God knows. Not a wonderful conclusion to draw is that the first thing they said was, you may not listen to anything else, but I know God hears and I know God sees and I know that God will deal with me if he needs to. What were they saying? He knows this altar I built was to honor him. He knows this altar I built was to serve him, to bless him, to glorify him. He, he knows that I built this altar in verse 26, they say, for future generations and, and for our future. And then they said, even for us. I wanted you to look over here and see the replica of the Lord's altar. And I wanted to see you worship God in a way that represents how you worship God. I, I wanted you to be able to see not us over here and say, that's them, that's you. No, I wanted to build an altar that we could call us. Beautiful thing, isn't it? And when assumptions were exchanged for communication, verse 33 says, war was avoided and God was praised. So if you'll avoid assumptions and listen and communicate, God can be glorified. God is glorified when I listen and when I communicate. That's where God is glorified is inside of moments where I'm communicating and I'm saying to myself, God, in all I do, in all my questions, in all my relationships, in all my concerns, I'm going to do my best. I won't hit the mark every time, but I want to glorify you. And then the third thought, and then we'll bounce. And the, the combination's almost there. We got a couple more here, but we're almost there. They gave the altar a name. The altar was not named you, they or them, but the altar of us. So altars are how we close the distance. Altars are how we tear down walls. Altars are how we avoid wars. Altars are where we heal and communicate. It's where accusations die. It's where assumptions are sacrificed. Altars are where we listen. Altars are where we acknowledge we see the world differently. And altars, the Bible say, are a witness between us. So There's you, there's an altar, and then there's anybody and everybody else, whoever you want to put over here, your children, your wife, your husband, uh, your boss, your employees, uh, your pastor, just throw, throw whoever you want over here real quick. Just, just throw me in there too, if you want, or, or one of the other crazy guys around here, just throw it through our girls, just throw it in there. So, so you, an altar and all the other people in your life. And they said, you name this altar us. And it's clearly that there's you and there's clear that there's them, but this is the altar of us. Now, a couple questions. In this story, was there hurt? Right? So you have you, an altar, and the people over here, and there's hurt, there's anger, 
There's frustration. I mean, they're about to kill him. They're about to wage war with him. I mean, oh, that's, that's some pain. No one in here has ever been like that. I can tell y'all are just so spiritual. You ain't never wish someone would just die. No, nobody in here. Just Lord, just take them, please. Jesus, just let them be your son and daughter in heaven. And then make sure they're on the other side when I get there. Right? So there's tons of emotions in this story. There's tons of accusations. Accuracy is out the window. There's ton of assumptions, but thankfully they built an altar called us. The altar of us is how I bring my fears, my angers, my frustrations, and my hurt to a place where I give them to God first. In my marriage, I need to have an altar called us. There's me and there's Sarah and there's an altar. There's a place that we come and we prioritize us, us. In raising children, you should have an altar called us. Come on. In every relationship of your life, you have to decide what kind of altars are you going to build? Are you going to build an altar called us a place that's not going to be absent of fear and frustrations and anger and hurt. It's going to all those things happen, but there's a place we come with them. There's a place we work through them. And I love the fact that it was an altar that brought the people together because biblical altars work like this. If you come to an old Testament altar, the first thing you're going to see is an unusual amount of blood. I mean, the smell of blood, the stench of blood altars are stained and covered with blood and that blood. When you see it, and when you smell it, and when you touch it, it represents God's anger towards your sin. It represents that anger was poured out on something innocent. And I look at the horrible sight of blood and I get a picture of what my sin does. So as a Christian, that's what I do. I go to the cross. That's my altar, right? That's the altar of us. The cross that Jesus hung and bled on the place where my guilt and my sin was laid upon Christ's innocence. It's a bloody thing to see my sin and my guilt. It's a bloody thing to consider the things in life that I've done and who I've done them to. But when I come to this altar and I see that blood, I'm reminded of my sin. I'm reminded of my guilt. I'm reminded I'm not innocent and I get to see the horrible bloody cross and I get to see a picture of my sin. And there I also am reminded that God chose to not wage war against me. He should have. He absolutely could have, but he didn't. 
could have waged war against you. Come on, he could have took all the power that he had and brought it raging down on you and the craziness that you had in your life. But he didn't. So I come to the altar of us. And there I realize that how justifiable is my anger towards others in light of God's level of grace towards me. Now, at this altar called us, you can't cancel them because God never canceled you. All of us sin against God. All of us sin against each other. So we need the altar of us between. Think about it between. So the altar is vertical, right? The cross, that altar we go to is vertical. One beam is vertical, but one beam is horizontal. So it's the place I go that God looks past my sin. And it's the place I go to look past yours, especially Sarah's. <laughs> but when I don't, because sometimes it's difficult. And I have a problem showing the same grace that I've been given. I'm picking a battle with you that God chose to not pick with me. And as a Christian, I'm not authorized to pick a battle that Jesus already died for. So an altar, the altar of us, the altar of us. Now, just real quick. I want you to think about that the creator of the universe, the Bible says that beyond anything we could ever ask, think, or imagine, he, his thoughts are not our thoughts. He is so, we, we, we could never pull him into the finite way we, we get caught up in stuff. And the Bible says he doesn't just call us servants, he calls us friends. So, creator of the universe likes me. He doesn't just love me, he likes me. Isn't that a powerful thing? The creator of all the universe not only loves you, he likes you. He likes you. Like he really likes you. He calls you his friend. And I think it's a good idea that I'm friends with who he's friends with. How about you? And if he's friends with me, in spite of my sin, then maybe I can be friends with you. Right? And there I lay down my assumptions my accusations at that altar and say, us. And the Bible says they were glad. Watch it. They said, ah, I'm done fighting. And they glorified God there. And they named the altar us. 
So can we build God an altar for about two minutes? Can we just build God an altar called us? You don't have to. You don't have to do anything. Come on. But if you'll stand up to your feet, I'm going to teach you how to build an altar called us real quick. We're going to sing this song, and I want you to think about it for just a minute, because inside of this song is how we build an altar. Let's listen to it. Focus on that beauty. Focus on that great love. Building an altar. Would you build God an altar right where you're at called us? There it is. That's the secret. Come on, get that picture. It was a bloody thing. Come on, picture your guilt, your sin for just a minute. And then remember, it was nailed to that cross. And the handwritten requirements which were against you were nailed there to that beam. Say this with me. Say, the mighty one, God, the Lord. Say it one more time. The mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows. Come on, he knows. Just lift your hand in his presence. Just say, God, I give it to you. I surrender it to you. I let you handle God things. I let you handle other people things. Help me handle my own things. And what I can do is I can build the altar of us, a place 
I come and worship you. A place I come and meet with you. And a place that you meet with me. And a place that you meet with us. The blood that was shed. You said it was so that we would be one as your father and you were one. That was your last prayer. Was it somehow, some way we would find a way to be one, to be us, just like you and the Father did? Thank you for that great grace that you give us. It's the only chance that we have is God-level forgiveness and grace and compassion one for another. Thank you for giving that to me, Jesus. Now empower me to give that to others in my life. Come on, just ask the Lord to empower you. I feel like a marriage is being healed this morning. That's what I feel. I feel like a marriage is being healed at the altar of us. I feel like some a young person is going to go to their parent and there's been a horrific gap and distance between you two, but at the altar of us, healing's going to come and communication's going to come. Accusations and misunderstandings will die there. God, they'll be glad and they'll worship and they'll glorify you. Father, I thank you for other areas of our life that we're in struggle and in conflict. Teach us how to build the altar of us. And we all said, amen. Amen. Can we get the Lord a more good hand clap together? That's all for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, there are just a couple next steps we'd love to highlight. First, you can subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with brand new episodes every single week. You can even share this with a friend by clicking that share button you see right there on your screen. We'd also love to hear from you. So if you have a comment, you can visit us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Seven Hills Church. Lastly, we want to say thank you to those who give generously to this ministry. You're helping us impact thousands. You can click on the link in the episode's description to give now or visit us at sevenhillschurch.tv backslash give. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.